Amen. Welcome to Asante Church. If it is your first time here, we are so glad you joined us. My name is Alex Dennis. I'm the lead pastor, church planner here at Asante Church. And this Sunday, we are getting a little bit more simple than the complex questions that we've been answering over the past five weeks. And I am very relieved about that. We have been asking some rather difficult, challenging questions. And today we're going to get back to the basics. Today we are going to look at the foundations of our walks with Jesus. We're going to be asking the question, how do I follow Jesus? And we're asking this question because you might notice there's a lot of little kids in here today. That's not normal for us. Usually the fifth Sunday of every month that has five Sundays, we do full family worship. We think it's important to worship with our kids, to lead an example of what it looks like to be a part of a worship service and sing along with them and sit through a message like this, hopefully it's not too boring, and then take communion together. And so this question is a question that we have been asking at our home as we talk about Jesus, as we talk about what it is to be a Christian, as we talk about how do I be a Christian. And so this question is for one person specifically in this room, and that's my little girl. The rest of you just have to sit here and put up with it, all right? So... No, this is, a, this is a simple question. It is a foundational question. I think it is very much a dashboard. Um, if our, our walks with Jesus, our lives with Jesus are a dashboard like we have on our car, a lot of times that oil change light comes on, and what do we do? We ignore it for about 7,000 more miles, right? Check engine light, a little bit more serious. What do we do? I heard a story this week of a person that put a sticky note over their check engine light just so it wouldn't make them as nervous as they were driving. It didn't fix anything. They still ruined their vehicle and had to take it in. It's a lot more expensive at that point. So this today for our more experienced saints, our people that have been following Jesus for quite some time, let this be a checkup. But for those of you who are kind of new to all this, let this be a foundation. Let this be a how to follow Jesus 101. So we asked the question this morning, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And I think we find part of that answer in Matthew 4, 18 through 22, where Jesus calls the first disciples. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting the net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? How do I follow Jesus? Well, to follow Jesus means that you are a disciple. You become a disciple. So now the question is, well, what is a disciple? And a disciple is somebody that devotes their lives to a master and his teaching. Somebody that is close to and is on the same mission as their master. Somebody that learns and promotes a certain ideology that they learn from their teacher And the person that they are following, a disciple, is a follower. That seems kind of redundant, right? How do I follow Jesus? Well, you become a disciple. What's a disciple? A follower of Jesus. How do you follow Jesus? You just follow Jesus. 
Matthew, he uses this term when he is talking about the crowds and the life and the ministry of Jesus. And when he talks about the disciples, Matthew says that he distinguishes between the crowds and the disciples as the ones that follow Jesus closely. I think there's probably three places we can kind of approach Jesus from. The first is indifferent or against. The second is we can be a fan of Jesus. And then the third is we can be a follower of Jesus. And so this morning, I hope to lay a foundation of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. But we also have to ask the question is, when does a disciple follow Jesus? And I think we see this in verse 4, in chapter 4, verse 22. And the answer to that is immediately. Immediately after Jesus calls you. What do we see the disciples do? We see the disciples immediately get up, walk away from whatever they were doing, and follow Jesus. Now Simon, Andrew, they had known Jesus for about a year, a year and a half at this point. We can see that they first meet Jesus in John 1, 35 through 42. And even in that circumstance, we see that they follow Jesus right away. Say, teacher, where are you staying? And they go with him. And then they return to work. We know Jesus allowed that. And so as they are working, Jesus approaches them once again. But now the circumstances have changed. Now Jesus says, hey, boys, follow me. And I know you're fishing right now. And I know this is all that you know. But I'm going to take everything that you know and I'm going to flip it. And you've been fishing for fish your entire lives. And now I will give you purpose. I will give you direction. And you will become fishers of men. And so what do they do? They immediately leave. What do they leave? It says they left their father. They left their families. They left their businesses. They left everything they knew to follow Jesus. So following Jesus, very simplified, is saying yes to him. Following Jesus is saying yes to him. Following Jesus is saying no to ourselves. Following Jesus is selflessness for the sake of the kingdom and what God wants over selfishness in our plan, in our agenda, in our calendar, in everything we're going to do, in everything that we want. We lay it down to him. We see that this ultimate reflection of selflessness, there we go, is found in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And this is Jesus, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Follow me. And I think in a Western context, we can kind of hear, I've got a cross to bear. And whenever we hear that, we think, oh, that's just a burden. I've got a burden to bear. And so now we think that the cross that Jesus has asked us to carry, to pick up, to bear that burden of is just that. It's just a burden. So now my life with Jesus is a burden that I have to go through day to day to day. But that's not the context that Jesus was talking about. When Jesus was talking about pick up your cross, the only time people picked up their crosses is when they would be crucified on them. And so when Jesus is saying pick up your cross, he's not just saying, hey, this is going to be inconvenient for you. Hey, this is something that People are going to make fun of you for. Hey, this is something you might not get that job because of. This isn't just a cross that you have to bear. Jesus is saying, follow me. Pick up your cross. This is your whole life now. 
And because this is your whole life, you need to be ready and willing to lay down everything. As we see in Jesus, that's exactly what he did for us. So how often? How often do we pick up our cross? Jesus says daily. I mean, it's daily. At every turn. At every choice. In every circumstance. That means we choose Jesus. We choose the kingdom over ourselves. That is the ultimate death to selfishness. So, now, let's dive in. How do we follow Jesus? We've looked at the disciples, we looked at when, we looked at how, we looked at kind of the context around that. Let's get practical. We have been really deep in the weeds on so many questions over the past five weeks. This is going to be good for me. I'm a practical person. I want you to uh, tell me what to do, and I want to write a list down. I want to put little boxes next to everything you told me, and I want to go through, and I want to start checking those things off. And so this morning, if you're the leader of your household in here, whether dad, if that's you, awesome, should be. Mom, if dad decided this wasn't something he wanted to be serious about, and he's no longer in the picture, well, guess what? That's my story. I came from a mom who raised me in the Lord and the grandma who loved the Lord and did the same. So I get it. What I would encourage you to do this morning is take notes. I've got five points, and I promise there's only one of them that has three subpoints. okay? <laughs> this is important stuff. Remember, this is our dashboard. This is our foundation. I would encourage you, leaders of the families that are represented in this room today, take notes. Sit down at the table with your kids discuss the things that we talk about here. We're going to be moving fast. Don't worry. I'm going to follow a lot of this up with an email because we do have a lot to cover. But write it down and go over it with your kids. How do we follow Jesus today? First and foremost, we believe in him. We believe him. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. I mean, should not die and go to hell, but have eternal life. How? Why? Because of Jesus and his perfect death for us on the cross. If you don't believe in Jesus, you're never going to be able to follow Jesus because you're never going to put him in the place in your life that he deserves. You're never going to prioritize what he says to do. If we never believe in Jesus truly, if we just show up to church, if we're just fans of Jesus, if we're not followers of Jesus, putting our faith in him, then nothing I say from this point on is going to make any sense. It's going to seem like the biggest waste of time. So first and foremost, we have to put our faith in Jesus. And so my question for you would be, where is your faith? What have you put your faith in? Have you put your faith in yourself, in your job, in your bank account, in your spouse, Where's your faith? If it's not in Jesus, it's not in something that is going to last. And for those of you who would say that I have faith, I would say, where's the proof, the proof of your faith? You say that you put your faith in Jesus, where's the fruit of that in your life? If I were to look at your life outside of church on a Sunday morning, would I be able to say, man, that person right there, that's a follower of Jesus. I read a tweet recently. It was about that new Obi-Wan show on Disney+. Plus. I know all my Star Wars nerds in the house are really excited about that one. All right, all three of you. <laughs> the big bad guy in the show says, 
You always know a Jedi because compassion leaks from them wherever they go. I wish that was true of us as Christians. That people wouldn't say that about a fictional character in a fictional world, but they would categorize Christians because of the fruit that they show when they follow Jesus. That we would be showing compassion everywhere we go. That only happens when we put our faith in Jesus. When we put our faith in Jesus, we are born again. John 3, 2 through 3 says, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, this was Nicodemus, he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So you believe in Jesus. You put your faith in him. And when you put your faith in Jesus, boom. You're born again. The original Greek literally means of, to be born again. It means to be born from above. This is a birth that originates in God. It does not originate with man. Even that confused Nicodemus. Do I need to get back in the womb? How does that even work, Jesus? Jesus says no. This means that you are born in the Spirit. You go from being dead to the Spirit to be alive to God. This is a birth of water and of the Spirit. That means that you are cleansed. It means that you are forgiven of your sin and you move forward in the Spirit of God and you are regenerated, made new by the Holy Spirit as we see in Titus 3.5. And when you're born again and when you put your faith in Jesus, there's a radical change that takes place inside of you. Makes it to where we can understand God's Word. I know there was a lot of times before I put my faith in Jesus, I tried to open up the Bible and I just didn't know what it was saying. It was just a bunch of words and I, just, I was so confused. It wasn't until I put my faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit lived inside of me that it started making sense, that I started figuring out, okay, this is how I apply this to my life. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit came to dwell within me that I realized I can't be obedient by my own strength. I need the strength of God. When the Spirit dwells within us, that's exactly what happens. When we are born again, we can understand His Word. We can be obedient to it. It's a complete transformation. It's something that takes place invisibly on the inside of us. And then, as time goes on, it becomes physical. It becomes a physical, emotional, and mental change. All because of the spiritual change that's taken place within us. And so when we follow Jesus, it is because we believe in Jesus. The second thing this morning is we spend time with Jesus. And there's three ways we spend time with him. The first is prayer. Luke 6, 12, in these days he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And this is Jesus communing with the Father. And so if Jesus is the one we are following, if he is the teacher, his example, we are trying to put in place in our life with the power and the help of the Holy Spirit to be obedient to him, that means that what Jesus did, we should now do. And if Jesus found it important enough that he needed to go and pray to the Father for hours and hours at a time, every night, every morning when he woke up, he realized his relationship and his communication with the Father was so important that he put himself in a position where he could be with him and be with him in prayer. Then I would ask you, where does prayer fit into your life? Maybe you're like so many of us, when we first become Christians, we think it has to be this eloquent speech. 
You think it has to be something that you've practiced. You think it has to sound good so God will listen to you. Let me just stomp all over that lie this morning. Just talk to God. Just talk to him. I'm the least eloquent person I've ever met. And for some reason I get to tell you about God's word. My prayers, they don't sound near as good as this. (laughs) My prayers are a jumbled mess, often distracted with ADD and anything that runs across my vision. But I still talk to Jesus. He hears me. He listens to me. And he acts on the things that I pray for as I pray for his will in my life. It's a habit. It's a priority. It's something that we have to put in place. So where does prayer fit into your life right now? And where does prayer need to fit into your life? The second thing is listen. We've got to listen to God. We've got to make time to not just talk at God, not just talk to God, but to actually listen to what he's saying in our lives. Matthew 17, 5, he was still speaking when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son. This is God saying this about Jesus with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Look, if we don't pray, we don't listen. So when was the last time you prayed when was the last time you actually listened to God? In today's hurried, busy world, it's not comfortable to sit in silence. It's not comfortable to sit and listen for God, to see where he's moving in your life. But we've got to leave time for God to speak into our hearts. We've got to leave time to listen and look for the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding in our lives. We can't just talk and talk and talk and talk to God and never leave him time to respond. So for a lot of us, this looks like Christian meditation. I'm not saying you all become a bunch of yogis or anything like that. But I'm saying, find a time in your day, set it aside, where you talk to God, but you also listen for him to speak back into your life. Then, read his word. The last thing in spending time with God is we spend time in Scripture, John eight thirty one. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So my question to us is how will you become more like Jesus if you don't know what Jesus is like? How will you know what Jesus is like unless you read about him and his life and his teachings? How will you read about Jesus and his life and his teachings if you never pick up your Bible? And how is it that you even know what you believe if you've never picked up your Bible to read it for yourself? I want to challenge the idea that the life of a believer is showing up to church on a Sunday morning and hearing somebody get up, just talk about a bunch of things from the Bible, and that's enough. It's like saying, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to work out once a week for 30 minutes. And the rest of my life, throughout the week. I'm just going to do what I was already doing. I'm going to eat everything I was already eating. I'm going to be as inactive or whatever as I already was. It doesn't make sense. As believers, we have to be spending time in God's Word. It's crucial. It's crucial for us to know what we believe. It's crucial for us to put it into play in our lives. And I would say this. 
that a spouse that spends time with Jesus is a spouse that's much more likely to stay faithful to their spouse. A spouse that spends time with Jesus is much more likely to love and serve their spouse as Jesus loved and served the church. Put your spouse's needs before your own. That takes death to yourself. And death to yourself takes place starting your day with Jesus and ending your day with Jesus. A parent that spends time with Jesus is much less likely to fail at leading their families. A parent that spends time with Jesus is much more likely to be present in the day-to-day lives of your kids. A young man and a young woman that follows Jesus is much more likely to resist sin and temptation. Far more likely to live with purpose and have direction. And a child that spends time with Jesus, even if that's just with mommy or daddy or grandma or grandpa, much more likely to be raised up in the ways that they should go. So, when we follow Jesus, we spend time with Jesus. Number three, we're obedient. John fourteen twenty one. whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So we see that obedience is essential. And it's not something that we like at first, but eventually as we continue our lives with Jesus, it becomes a desire. What does Jesus say? He says, if you love me, you will obey me. He teaches us. and He commands us. And we apply that to our lives. For our kids, they obey us and they love us and they trust us as their parents. And that's because we know what's best for them. And we want what's best for them. And we want them to be safe and we want them to be protected. And the same thing parallels in God's design in parenting that does in our relationship with him. So how can we say that we love Jesus if we never listen to what he does? If my kids never listened to what I told them to do, I would think that there was a serious problem. So we remain obedient. Where obedience is absent, and even where obedience is delayed, there is sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that means because of the sin in our life, we earn the wages of death. Because of the sin in our life, we will be eternally separated from God. But there's a free gift of eternal life that is found in Jesus. But the death that it talks about here is not just death when we actually die here on this earth. There's so many deaths that take place in our lives if we're not following Jesus, if we're not being obedient to him that take place. There's a death and the blessing that God wants to pour out on our lives. There's a death in our relationship and our connection to him. If we continue on in disobedience, that relationship eventually is severed to the point where it's almost non-existent. You can always come home. The way home is always short. You can always turn back to God and he will be right there 
waiting for you. But if the pattern of disobedience or even delayed obedience persists, it's only damaging to our relationship with God and things he wants to do in our lives. Think about the relationships you find yourself in. Whether it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend or even a husband or a wife or even a friendship. If we're being disobedient in that relationship, how can we expect God to bless it? We're supposed to be good stewards of all things. That means relationships. That means our finances too. A lot of us may say, God, why aren't you blessing me financially? And don't worry, this is not some kind of prosperity gospel nonsense I'm about to say. But what I would say is, if you're not honoring God in your finances, why should we expect God to bless us financially? The list goes on and on and on. When we follow Jesus, we obey Jesus. When we follow Jesus, we love him. Mark 12, 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Heart, soul, mind, strength. Let's break those down. What does it look like to love the Lord your God with all your heart? It means that your heart is not divided. It doesn't mean that you're kind of on the fence between Jesus and the world. No, it means that you're all in for Jesus. There is no division within you. What does it look like to love the Lord with all of your soul? That means all of your being. That means your entire personality. Everything that he created you to be, you give to him and you love him. What does it mean to worship the Lord your God and to love him with all of your mind? That means that we protect our minds. That means that we keep track of the things that are going in because everything that goes in will make its way out. It may start to seep slowly, but if we put garbage in to our minds, garbage is going to come out. So what are the things that we're watching? What are the things we're listening to? What are the ideas we're surrounding ourselves with? Who are the people we're surrounding ourselves? They're speaking into our lives. Those things will determine your actions. It may be slow at first, but eventually it will take over. And it's not just for you. It's for your kids as well. It's for their kids. It's for the people around us. What does it look like to love the Lord your God with all your strength? We could ask ourselves the question, what is getting my time? What is getting my energy? What is getting my attention? What is getting my effort? If it's not Jesus, we have an idol in our life. If it's not Jesus, something needs to be removed from our lives so that it can be Jesus. And if it's not Jesus at top, then your love to your wife your husband isn't going to be where it should be. The love to your kids, it isn't going to be where it should be. The love that you have for your friends, for your coworkers, that's not going to be where it should be. Everything falls out of alignment if Jesus isn't the priority of our lives as we follow him. So if we follow him, we love him. And if we love him, we share him. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This means everybody. We are concerned about the salvation of those around us, whether it's around the world or whether it's next door. Ray Comfort has a quote, kind of messed me up this week. It says, if you're not concerned about your neighbor's salvation, then I am concerned about yours. So when is the last time you were concerned about someone else's salvation other than your own? When was the last time 
you shared Jesus with somebody. We can, we can bump it down a couple notches. When was the last time you invited somebody to church? When was the last time you invited somebody to just get before the good news of Jesus and the gospel? It sets them free from sin, from death, and the enemy. If we love him, we'll serve him. John 12, 26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So in order to serve Jesus, once again, this means that we are selfless. To serve Jesus means to serve others. And to serve others means to love him. And so how do we love others and love him? This means that we live a life alongside of others. This means that when other people hurt, we hurt with them. This means that when other people have needs, we meet them. This means that when other people are lost, wandering around hopelessly and frantically in a dark and dying world, that we come to them with the hope and the peace that is found in the gospel, that Jesus gave his life for them. In the church, to be a servant means that we are not consumers. It means that we don't just come in here, worship a little bit, have some Christian karaoke, listen to a sermon, have a little snack of communion and then worship some more, stand up, hear announcements and leave, do the Christian hokey pokey. That's not what being a servant is about. That's how it starts off for a lot of us as we start to follow Jesus in our lives. But being a servant goes from being a consumer to a producer. Producing love, you're producing service worshipfully out of your heart for Jesus and out of a worshipful heart of following him. So where are you serving? There's so many people that serve in this church. In this church, if you look around, you will know that this does not happen without them. There's so many people that show up here 7 o'clock every Sunday morning and don't leave until 12.30 in the afternoon to set this thing up, to worship alongside each other, to serve in preschool, in babies, in the nursery, and in children's ministry, to serve, set up and tear down teams, but also our first impressions team, our social media teams. There's so many moving parts that happen within a church. And there's so many loving followers of Jesus that have said, you know what, I'm going to do my part. You know what, out of my love and my service to God, I'm going to have a part to play in this church. I'm going to love and serve others because of it. So if we love Jesus, we share Jesus. If we love Jesus, we serve Jesus, we serve others, and we follow him. Finally, final aspect of following Jesus. And I wish somebody would have told me this when I was a young man. I felt like they kind of, it's a little bait and switch. I felt like they told me all the good things about following Jesus, but they didn't tell me any of the hard things. So I want to make sure that I write that wrong this morning. If we're going to follow Jesus, it means that there's going to be suffering. We need to know that, and we need to be willing to embrace that. Philippians 1.29 says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. So, if we follow Jesus, we will suffer in some sense. That makes sense if you look at the life of Jesus. Polar opposite from anyone he was around, minus his disciples, 
minus his followers, the world rejected him. And as the world rejected him, the world will reject you. It's not something that could happen. It's something that we are promised will happen. It may not mean your life, and I pray that it doesn't, but it means in some sense we will suffer, whether that's relationally, whether that's financially, whether that is in your career, whether that's some bully at school that says something to you that they shouldn't have because you're not like the rest of the kids in your class because you stand for something, because you believe in something, because you stand for and believe in something that is so much bigger than you and makes you different from everyone else that is around you. Students, if that's you, hold on. The reward is so much greater than the suffering that you will face here. And as we go through the suffering, know that Jesus suffered too. And Jesus suffered on our behalf. What did it cost the disciples? It costed them their professions. It cost them their comfort. It cost them their families. It cost them their plans. And the places I know that we will suffer as believers in 2022 is in our comfort. It's in our plans. And it's in our selfishness. So if we are going to follow Jesus, that means that we will suffer in some sense for Jesus. I'd like to put a little bit of application on this and then we'll wrap up. I want you to know First and foremost, that this takes discipline. And this is not works-based. I'm not saying that you need to do these things in order to be saved. But I'm saying that because we have been saved, now we do these things to grow closer to Jesus. We've been justified by his death on the cross for us. Our sin has been forgiven. He took that on himself, and we received his righteousness so that we could be made clean before the Father and have a relationship with him. The gospel is not opposed to effort. And this is going to be uncomfortable. But you've got to work this into your day. Hebrews 12, 11 says, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So discipline is never fun in the moment. I would say discipline is never fun until about two or three years after you start being disciplined and you start to see the product, the reward for the hard work. I also want you to know that this takes time, that little steps add up. Following Jesus is not this big, boom, overnight change. Remember, it's an invisible change that takes place in the spirit inside of you. That over time, little step by little step by little step, they add up, and there becomes a massive change inside of you. I would also say that this is not compartmentalized Christianity. Okay, that means that your following Jesus should be present in every aspect of your life. Do not separate it depending on where you are. The church you should be the same as the home you. The church you should be the same as the work you. The church you should be the same as I'm around my friends you. For followers of Jesus, we are consistent with our following Jesus. So, this morning, let's follow Jesus. Let's follow Jesus by believing. Let's follow Jesus by spending time with him. Let's follow Jesus by being obedient, by loving him and loving others. Let's embrace whatever comes, knowing that he suffered for us and that in our suffering, there's peace and there's comfort that can only be found in him. Let's pray. 
Jesus, we come before you. And this morning, I pray on behalf of the families that are represented here. I pray for the moms and dads that are following you. I pray that they would hear this list, that they would take notes, and that they would lead their families by it. That we would start to build foundations for our families, for our households, based off of how you want them to be, not how we want them to be. Not what we can put up with, but you would have us be present in. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, I need you in my fathering. I need you in the leading of my household. I need you if my kids are going to have a shot at following you. And I know and I accept the fact that what they see in me, they are most likely to do. So Jesus, change me. Less of me, Jesus. More of you. Let us lead and steward our family as well. But I also know that there are parents, there are people, there are students, there are children in this room today that may have never said, you know what, I want to follow Jesus. I want to put my life in his hands. I want to put my faith in him. I want to believe in him for my salvation. I want to believe in him for the forgiveness of my sin. I want to confess that to him. And I want to put my life in his hands. And if that's you this morning, if you would like to give your life to Jesus, if you would like to follow him for the first time, we have a connect card. And there's a little box on the back that says next steps. There's one on the back of that connect card that says, I would like to follow Jesus. We ask that you would just check that box, that you would turn that into a giving box on your way out because it's so much more than just a decision that you would make here on a Sunday morning, but something that we want to come alongside you, that we want to walk through life with you in. Jesus, pray that you would bring your people home this morning, that you would call them into relationship with you, and that we would be followers of you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.